Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You are Locked on Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. I am Danny Lurie, your host, and so happy to bring you your team every day. The Warriors actually have a day off, and it's a day off on a weekday. So after beating the Timberwolves, and if you want to listen to my talking about that game, you certainly can. That's Locked on Warriors from last night. But I wanted to use the off day to talk about something that it might not be as time sensitive as it originally seemed it was going to be, but it still could be. We don't know exactly. So today when I'm recording this is December 12th. Most of you will listen to this on the 13th and December 15th is a big day for the NBA and the NBA's collective bargaining agreement because that is the day that either the owners or players can opt out, which basically everybody expects. And the reason for that is that triggers the negotiations for a new collective bargaining agreement. There is the possibility of making one that is more favorable to both sides. But generally speaking, when you have a deal like this, one side or the other thinks they can do better. So they're going to opt out. The good news, as opposed to 2011, is that the sides are very close to a new deal. It is not done. And that was some of the consternation that came about over the weekend was Carmelo Anthony being skeptical that a deal could get done on time. However, the fact that basketball-related income, BRI, basically how they split the overall revenue pie is already done or really close to it means that it is extremely likely that there will be labor peace before it really matters. Whether that agreement comes down December 15th, comes down January 1st or sometime early next year, there is the framework to make it work. And there's still some things they need to figure out. It sounds like licensing is one of the big issues. It's another revenue source for the players and things like that. So what I wanted to make sure to have out there as a podcast before that happened was a little bit of a guide for Warriors fans to what they can look for in the new agreement. And as all of you know, I will do a lot of this updating myself through it, but I thought it would be fun to, to give Warriors fans something to look at and say, this is what this is what you want to look for. This is what will matter to that team. And there are a couple different lanes that are, that, are, that are important, that will matter to the finances of the team, to team building. But the single most important element is actually a single number, and it will not be definitive when the agreement is announced and published, but we'll have a pretty good idea. And what that is, I've talked about this before, written about it before, is the difference between Kevin Durant's non-bird salaries, that's using bird rights, and his absolute maximum salary. We know based on the current CBA, and unless they change it, what the first number is. So his non-bird salary, basically meaning that you give him the 20% raise off of what he's making this year, will be $31,848,120. Unless they change how much a player can make as a non-bird free agent, that will not change. That is that is in the CBA, and I personally do not expect them to change the non-bird calculation unless they're doing something really fundamental. So that number is what it is. However... The other number, his individual maximum, could change due to a couple of different reasons. And so under the current 
estimation, which uses the current rules and then the revenue that has gone through, the most recent number that I've heard would put Durant's maximum at about thirty-three million five hundred fifty thousand. So that's a difference of less than two million between the two. However, that can change due to a couple of different factors. The most basic is changing the way they calculate max contracts. So if they decide to make maximum contracts more lucrative, that changes the difference. If they decide to change the form, the calculation of BRI, so the how much income counts, because that's how they determine the salary cap, and that's also how they determine the maximum salaries. So if they add in more revenue or the estimates change, that either raises or lowers its maximum. And one of the interesting pieces of reporting is that while the share of income is not changing in the new agreement, there are new strains of income that will be included. There were some things that when the NBA Players Association had their uh, had lawyers and accountants go through the original agreement that were not a part of it, that were other revenue. I think luxury suites were a part of it. So that's not nearly as big as changing the split of the pie, but that could change it a little bit. And the expectation is that those sorts of things, Jersey ad revenue, things of that nature, will raise the maximum salary and raise the salary cap a little bit. So that would increase the difference between the two. The reason that difference matters is because for the Warriors, there is a very substantial change if Durant is non-bird or if he uses cap space. If he is non-bird, they can functionally keep this team together, assuming people want to come back. Andre Guadalla, Sean Livingston, Ian Clark are all unrestricted free agents that will have some form of bird rights. So Livingston and Guadalla, full bird rights. They've been on the team for a while. Clark would have would have early bird, which would allow them to spend a fair amount of money on him if they really wanted to. But all three of those guys are unrestricted free agents, so they can go wherever they want. If they want to go somewhere else, they certainly can. Durant going non-bird means that the Warriors would be over the cap, so they can use those exceptions, which those players are, because that's what bird rights are. They can go over with those guys. They have less flexibility, assuming the rules stay relatively the same, to bring back players like David West, and Zaza Pachulia because when you make such a small salary and you're only on the team for one year, they didn't want to incentivize that to allow to be a gateway to a player signing for a lot more money with the same team. They could use in cap space, but they cannot using those exceptions. So that is it. It doesn't help them really in in those realms, but it does help them with Clark, with Iguodala, and Livingston. Those are the most important players. If Durant uses cap space, they have a very limited amount. And I actually redid the math for this and for the piece that uh, is accompanying this that will be for the Sporting News. And knowing what we know now, while the Warriors only have $38.5 million in committed salary for next season, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, the draft picks, and everything else like that, due to Stephen Curry's cap hold, because even though he had a low salary, you still have to keep that on the books, and the expectation is that they're going to raise it beyond that. The Warriors only have about $11 million dollars plus the room mid-level exception to sign players outside of Durant. So cuz that that gives Durant his individual maximum, keeps Curry's, that and then 11.5 million. That would be for Iguodala, Livingston, whoever else they want to retain on the current team and whoever else they wanted to add in as new talent. They would also have the room mid-level exception whatever that is. But that's not a lot of money. And this ties in with the other very important part of this calculus for Durant which is that Curry's cap hold can change too. And 
there has been a lot of consternation around the league about guys coming off cheap rookie scale contracts. So that means the players on their those first round picks on their first contracts. And they it sounds like they're going to raise the calculation for those cap holds. The people around the league got mad when players like Andre Drummond and Kawhi Leonard waited to sign their contracts, used those low cap holds to squeeze in just enough space for Kawhi that was LaMarcus Aldridge, and then signed over, went to their maximum, kind of wink-wink, nudge-nudge deals, completely allowed under the CBA. So the way to make that less palatable is to raise that cap hold. So the it's calculated off the percentage of a percentage of what the player made the prior season. So raising the rookie scale, which they're going to do, and raising the calculation of the cap hold will do that. It is... As far as I have heard, it is unclear whether they are going to do that for veteran free agents, which Stephen Curry is certainly one of them because he's not on that rookie scale deal, but it would follow that a slight increase there would help, especially when we saw this in 2011, that the newest super team has a a part to play in terms of how ownership in particular sees the new CBA and they will presumably try to keep to, to make it a little bit harder to do something like what the Warriors have done and cap holds are such an important part of that so I would expect his cap hold to increase slightly and it doesn't really take much to make a meaningful difference so right now his hold is 150 percent of his salary for this year which is just over 12 million if you increase that to 170 percent which is a modest jump but not substantial that would cut the Warriors available cap space if that's the route they had to go by two and a half million that's a, a lot of money. It's not an immense amount of money, but it's a lot. And one of the ideas that I've been dancing around over the last couple of weeks is the idea that Durant could actually be driven into agreeing to non-bird by the other option being so unpalatable. And the easiest way that that could happen is through Stephen Curry's cap hold rising. Because if the, all the Warriors have is nine and a half million or something in that range to get other guys... Durant's probably going to just go, well, fine, I'll do that for one year. And another element that will almost definitely work to the Warriors' favor in terms of Durant is that it will only be a one-year sacrifice because the way, assuming he wants to stick around long-term, the league does not incentivize players signing a long-term deal after just one year with the team. They can't even get the higher 7.5% raises. They have to wait longer. They have to wait until they have full bird rights for that. Or there's there's some ways, which is what LeBron did, where you can do it with early bird, but there are limitations in terms of the length of the contract. So no matter what, Durant was not going to sign a four-year contract with the Warriors this year for the lower raises and everything else. So what that means is, since the raises are calculated off of that first-year salary, that was what happened with LeBron and Wade and Bosh in Miami, was that they took a, a little bit of a haircut so that they could play together, but since they all signed those longer contracts, that haircut meant that they got smaller races each year. With Durant, that would not be true. He would sign a reduced, he would have a comparatively reduced salary, a couple million, something in that range probably, but it would only be that year. It wouldn't compound over future seasons. Then next year, the Warriors would be able to give him what they want, you know, depending on what the rules allow, and then they could build it off that. Or if he wants to wait until he has full bird rights, they could wait another year. That doesn't really matter. And some have wondered about the Warriors' ability to afford those guys, and that's really what I'm getting at here, is that as long as you can make it work in terms of the NBA rules and the salary cap, 
the Warriors can do it. Whether Joe Laca, Peter Gruber, and the ownership group wants to pay the immense amount of money it would take to keep this team together is another question. It is also a question I can't answer because I am not in their brains, I'm not in their pocketbooks, but we can be pretty sure that the Warriors will be a team that is good enough to warrant that kind of an expenditure. And considering they've been incredibly profitable this year, since they are not a luxury tax team, they're not even going to get close to the luxury tax, it would make sense that they can push into that for future years, especially if they win a title this year. But either way, I mean, this is going to be a great team as long as everyone stays. And it will get really expensive. And I I wonder what they're going to do with the luxury tax. And that ties in with some of the other things that Warriors fans should be looking for. So the most important thing is how they can retain Durant and how all that's going to work. Everybody else, because that is what ties into keeping Iguodala, keeping Livingston and all that. The second component is the luxury tax because like it or not, the financial element of this in terms of ownership is extremely important. In many ways, what broke up Miami was LeBron leaving, but part of the reason LeBron got frustrated was that their owner, Mickey Harrison, a very wealthy man, he owns Carnival Cruise Lines and has made made a lot of money off the Miami Heat when they were so good. He used the amnesty provision to cut Mike Miller, a very popular member of the Miami Heat, because he was making too much money and that money was being like accelerated because of the luxury tax. And the luxury tax has in many ways done exactly what ownership, what the owners wanted it to in the new CBA. It has made it a lot less palatable for teams to spend these ridiculous sums of money on players and just building up these these war chests and all that kind of stuff. It's a lot hard, it's a lot more expensive to do that now. However, they made it very punitive in a way that arguably hurt small markets more than big markets. One of the big reasons the Oklahoma City Thunder broke up was because they were about to get really expensive. And the goal of electric tax is probably not to break up teams like the Thunder. It's more to make sure that the Lakers and Knicks and teams that have big revenue sources and owners with deep pockets can't use that to bully the rest of the league and screw up competitive balance. So there are a couple of different approaches that the league can use towards the luxury tax and whatever approach they use will matter for the Warriors. One of the biggest benefits though that the Warriors have is they've maintained relatively clean sheets, ducking the luxury tax a couple of times when the team wasn't as good, makes it so they're not particularly close to the repeater tax or anything like that right now. So if things like that come into play, basically that you if you get into the luxury tax a couple times in a row, you're going to pay a higher proportion in the luxury tax. That will probably affect the Warriors eventually, but it will not for a few years, and they would have time to figure things out before then, and it would only be at that point. They never kick it in right away, and the Warriors wouldn't even suffer it because they didn't pay the luxury tax this year, and they won't. The next big component for the Warriors is how they handle the remaining exceptions. So one of the most important dynamics that has happened over the course of this collective bargaining agreement is that the league made the decision, the league and the players, made the decision to have the mid-level exceptions, so there are actually now three mid-level exceptions, which is a great idea, and they're going to presumably keep that going, that the mid-level exceptions have, have a value, and they set that value over the course of the entire CBA. So even this was a 10-year deal, even though it's going to probably end in a couple, it's going to end after the season, they still set up values. They said, okay, you know, this year the middle level exception is this much, this year it's this much, this year it's this much. The problem with that was that the league made a ton more money later on in the deal, especially this year through the new television contract. And since they did specified amounts for the middle level exceptions, all three of them, instead of tying it to the salary cap, 
they got really out of step with the original intention. So when the MLEs were created, when they were, and even when they were redone in the 2011 CBA, the idea behind it was really to get somebody who's more of like your sixth or seventh man. And now with it around five, $6 million, that's not enough for a sixth man anymore. And so in the near term, that recalibration will help the Warriors substantially because even though, assuming they bring Durant back, they will use the lower taxpayer mid-level exception, which probably, if I had a ballpark, it will be somewhere in the like five to $6 million range. That's still a lot more than they had available to them this year. And depending on how it works out, they can get any more flexibility. And this is a very different free agent class. So you're asking players to sacrifice differently. And also you can split the mid-level exception among multiple players. So if they really want to, if they want to get ambitious, and there are a couple players who they really like, they can give them more than the minimum through splitting the mid-level exception. We'll see exactly how those mechanics work, but that was how Miami was really able to keep their train going, was signing Shane Battier, signing Ray Allen with the mid-level exception, and like the Cavs benefited from that growing at the time because the new CBA was in 2011, the Warriors should benefit from that as well. And if they tie it to the salary cap, then the Warriors will benefit from that moving forward as well, just like other teams, because if the cap grows, then the middle-level exception gets more valuable. I personally think that's a substantially more fair solution and a more workable way of team building that you can think about it that way. And that would not change the players who are on its salary in future years. It would only be, this is the this is where the pay is. At least that's how I would think of it. They could also tie minimum salaries or even the rookie scale to the salary cap as well. We will see if they do that. I I am I would do it, but I don't know if they will. So that's another dynamic to watch with all this. And it's a very exciting time because they are negotiating a very, very complicated deal with a lot of moving parts. And the Warriors are at the center of so much of this, not only because they are the best team right now, but because they were built in such an unusual way. They benefited a lot from timing because players like Clay and Draymond were subject to lower maximums, which they did not even take because the cap hadn't grown then. Steph Curry signed one of the best value contracts in the league, which has been a key part of their flexibility to add Iguodala and then to retain those guys and then, of course, to add Durant. But Curry is also a, a, a lens point, a flashpoint in this because he still has a low cap hold for next year. And while that was part of the idea that Nate Duncan and I had talked about in terms of the Warriors potentially getting Kevin Durant in 2017, that was, he thought that 2017 was the, was the better option and he very well could have been right. It's just that Durant was ready to leave earlier. That will matter as well. And so the league is thinking about the Warriors, thinking about how the Warriors succeeded, but the benefit for the Warriors is that generally when you're thinking about how a team succeeded to that point, you're not focused as much on how to prevent them from staying together. Once a super team is already together, it's a lot harder to break it up. And that's part of the reason why there was outcry in certain parts, especially the GM kind of part of this. Because once you have that team together, just like Miami, they're going to be together for a little while. There are ways that it can break up. There are ways that it will eventually. I mean, nothing nothing is forever. But the expectation has to be at this point that the CBA will not do as much. And the only thing they can do, the biggest thing is making it less palatable for Durant to take that kind of a one-year sacrifice. But 
it would be very hard for them to, to fail to do so, especially considering he will make a lot of that money back on the back end once he can get the higher raises and especially if the cap rises. So not that big a deal, especially for a guy who makes a ton of money. And we'll see how his endorsement opportunities change over these next couple years that he's here in a different market. I mean, there's been this growing theory that it doesn't matter where you play and Broadly speaking, I think that's true if, if we're talking about the equality of opportunity. But Durant will give a direct challenge to that because he was a star before he left and he's a star now. So that'll that's really the main pieces that'll be worth watching. There's always more nuance that comes in. The other big one that could matter are extensions because in the current system, the best players have no incentive to sign a new contract after their rookie deal. Stephen Curry in, in another world would be able to do that. One of the more ambitious ideas, I give Nate Duncan credit, he's the first person I ever heard talk about it, would be that they could, if they fix the extension system in this collective bargaining agreement, they could start that right away. They could fix it this year because it's all subject to negotiation. If a majority of everybody is, is, is down with it, that's totally fine. And that would allow teams like the Jazz with Gordon Hayward, the Warriors with Steph Curry, to make those agreements now. Obviously, that would require Durant being on board and everything else like that because you don't want to take that risk because if he left or something like that, it would be absolutely devastating, so you would need that. But it will also be notable to see how the extension system works, not only for the Warriors, but for their competition all around the league because continuity is such an important part of what makes successful teams in the NBA. So that's another thing that will be worth watching. If you have any questions, the best way to, to reach out, and it's also the way to give feedback, is NBA at gmail.com. Rest assured, if you have a question on this, there are many, many other people who do. And if I'll probably answer a lot of those just at the ends of various podcasts with things like that. And then naturally, once I have a handle on the new agreement when it's published and it's out, there will be plenty of content on that in this space. It's one of the things that I know best and feel most confident in. So that will be a part of this no matter what. And we are in this weird realm where we don't know exactly everything right now. And there will be preliminary reporting. And then really the where the rubber meets the road, for me at least, is when the actual agreement is released. So again, NBA at gmail.com. Also, I will be writing for the Sporting News. I'll be writing for The Athletic on the CBA. It's my baby. And that will be a big thing when it actually comes to pass. You can follow me on Twitter at Danny LaRue, D-A-N-N-Y-L-E-R-O-U-X. And also, if you want to support the show, leave a rating, leave a review in the podcast player of your choice. Great if it's iTunes, fine if it's not. You can also download every episode and subscribe. It is really useful to download every episode for us just because that helps with our with our metrics and all that kind of stuff. I understand that it is too much of a burden for many people to listen to every episode. I completely understand that. But taking that however many minutes or seconds it takes to download that episode for any this and any other podcast you like, it might seem small to you, but it's absolutely massive to us because then that tells people, hey, we're going to do that. And maybe eventually they will have a more sophisticated system for knowing how much people actually listen to it. But at this moment, the downloads are what matters. So if you want to help this show, you want to help whatever other shows you like, especially if they're frequent, that is the biggest thing you can do to help. So thank you so much for listening. Take care. Make it a great day. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. 
There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.